Hello, Sober Town, and welcome to the Sober Town podcast. My name is Polly, and this is your two for one podcast. But as most people know, Akarina is still on her Canaan vacation, and I have a guest with me on the train, the Sober Train, the wonderful Sober Train. And it is once again, Mr. Drifter. Good morning, Mr. Drifter. Good morning, Polly. Good morning, Sobertown. Uh, welcome to the train. Uh, folks, we're going to carry on uh, from last week when we were talking about moderation, which my own personal view is I cannot. It's, it's not in my wheelhouse. To me, one drink is one uh, slippery slide on the slope back into the pit of hell where I climbed out of. How about you, mister? Moderation? Well, you know what, Polly? This morning I stopped to get fuel for my truck and I bought this can of Pringles, right? Yes. And I was only going to eat a couple because 16 Pringles is 150 calories, right? This can of Pringles is almost gone. Like the Mentos. Was, <laughs> right. Last week, it was Mentos, where I ate the whole, the whole package, and I was only going to eat a couple. So, I can't even moderate Pringle potato chips or Mentos. It's something salt, to do well, with salt. There's something salty snacks. They're quite addictive, I think. But this week, in my shopping, um, my local supermarket. Every so often you get a freebie. Get This is your freebie for this week. And mine was ice cream. So I went and I thought, well, it's free. I'll get the ice cream. So yesterday I was absolutely necking vanilla ice cream with moose track. Did you just eat your little quantity? Whatever um, that was going to be? I did not eat a portion. <laughs> I ate everybody's portion. <laughs> And I thought, oh, let's get rid of it once it's gone. And I couldn't throw it away. This is the problem. I couldn't throw it away. I had to eat it for some reason. Well, so. Shiki was on here last week, Holly. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Yes. He was, he's hiding chocolate in his garage, remember? Yes. So um, we're talking about moderation. Uh, can you just have chocolate like five times a year? I actually, I'm very good with chocolate. I can open a bar of chocolates and eat two squares and put the chocolate back in the fridge. I'm okay like that. If I buy a bag of the little individual doves, um, I can pick two out and eat those after my supper and enjoy them. It doesn't, you know, it, for some reason that doesn't, but with ice cream, no. No moderation with ice cream. I don't think you ever even told us how you moderated. uh, You you tried to moderate alcohol. Oh, I did that. What when I've listened to other people talk about it, I can so totally relate. How come this podcast has switched to me suddenly? Hold on a minute. This is my podcast. You've done it. You sneaky little bugger. No, no. I just I'm just curious. We're just talking. We hope you're enjoying this. (laughs) (laughs) But no, um, when I listen to what other people have said about how they moderated, I could relate so much to it because I did the same thing. I would say, that's it. 
Monday through Friday, I'm not going to drink. It's just going to be, well, Monday through Thursday, I'm not going to drink. Friday or Saturday evening, I'll have a drink, you know, because there's nothing urgent Saturday morning. There's nothing urgent Sunday morning. Um, but that didn't work very well. It maybe lasted two weeks, and that's about as much as it lasted because then it would be, well, it's been a bad day today. So if I drink tonight, I won't drink Friday. So I'll drink that night. But come Friday, I'll think, well, it's Friday, and I said I was going to drink on Friday. So I'll drink on Friday. And there was just no way I could open a bottle of wine and say, well, I'm only having one glass. It was just impossible. It was just impossible. It was there. And as long as it was there, I was going to drink it. So one glass was just never enough. The old expression is uh, one drink is never enough. What is it? Uh, one drink is not enough and a hundred drinks too many or something. Or one drink is too many and a hundred is not enough. Um, and that's the case with me. And it's either I drink or I don't drink, full stop. I cannot do anything in between. Um, I did the, well, I'm going on vacation. I'll only drink on vacation. I won't drink when I come home. Well, you get into the drinking on vacation and when you come back home, you just think, well, I'm not, I'm not back at work yet. I'm still on vacation for another couple of days. So I'll carry on drinking for another couple of days. And then when I go back to work, I won't drink. Bullshit. Doesn't happen. I talked with Mrs. Drifter many times and, and got a plan together with Mrs. Drifter about how I was going to moderate. Okay, sweetheart, I'm going to do, because I, I usually did something really bad, disappointed her again. So I, I would try different plans with her to try to moderate. Did you ever do that with Dan? Yes. And I would say to him, I'm not drinking. I'm taking the night off. Okay. And then a bit later, I'd say, I'm going to go and get a bottle of wine. And I, he would look at me and his eyes would roll. And I knew I'd disappointed him again. And even though I disappointed him and even though I felt bad, it didn't affect me enough to put the car keys down and not go and buy the wine. That's how much of a grip it had on me. Even my husband looking at me and, you know, with this disappointment on his face, with this, this hurt. It, it was a hurt look, obviously, because I, I'd been lying to him. I mean, I lied to myself for many, many years, but lying to him was worse. And the look on his face, and like I say, it just wasn't enough to stop me. And it was the same with Mrs. Drifter, where even sometimes it brought tears to her eyes. Yeah. And, and which even made me drive faster to the liquor store because once I got the liquor in me, then I, I, it didn't matter. It, it's hiding from the shame of it, isn't it? In some ways we hide, um, we hide behind our alcohol because we're so ashamed of what we're doing. We're so deep into it and we know what we're doing is hurting the people we love. 
and we feel so much shame for doing it, but it just doesn't stop us. Nope. And then you wake up that next morning feeling mm -hmm. all that shame Yes. from those moments from the night before vowing you're going to start over and you're going to find a better plan to moderate. I sat with uh, my dad and I cried and said to him, I need you to help me. If I say I'm going to the shop to buy some wine, stop me. And his words were, I will help you as much as I can, but I can't stop you. You have to stop you. And he was totally right. I had to stop me. I couldn't ask someone else to stop me. I had to stop me. And while he supported me 100%, he put up with my bullshit because my lies were bullshit. I'm giving up drinking. I'm giving up drinking. I'm giving up drinking. I don't know how many times I And said even that. when you like was going to moderate, you know, I could see Mrs. Drifter's eye roll right now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there I can we go still again. see that look. I can still <laughs> see that look. You know, it's like, here we go again. The same old story. I've heard this one before. And it's taken a long time since stopping drinking for Dan to trust that I'm not going to drink. I don't know how you've been with Mrs. Drifter in that one. Building the trust back takes such a long time. Yeah. Well, I think it's still hard for her to understand. I mean, there, there was nine, again, nine years, and she put up with me before that, but uh, nine more years that she had to put up with me, so. We're different people now to who we were just over a year ago. I mean, you and I have grown together along this path. We've noticed so many changes in each other on this path that we're on. And well, she's getting one, used to that, too. Yeah, she's got to live with a new guy, and Dan's living with a new woman. Right. That's his heart. <laughs> She's not everyone with, with the lovely, lovely, as you guys say, rack, but uh, unfortunately, this is what he gets. <laughs> um, Dan is very, anyway. very, Dan is very blessed. You're very beautiful. You're very intelligent. <laughs> um, and you're, you're there with him every day, walking with him through his struggles too. So um, you're very so honorable. Yeah, I'm going to say something to you that I am learning to say. Thank you for the compliment. You're welcome. And I will pay the compliment back to you in a way. I have watched you change so much in 12 months. It's been, it's been a beautiful journey so far with you and watching. You, you've grown into a whole new person in... Uh, your growth has been immense, um, your emotional growth, not only the intelligence you've got, which you are hugely intelligent and say thank you for that one, because that's a nice compliment. Say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. But watching your emotional development in this 12 months and how you deal with things emotionally has been, it's been a joy to watch for me. It has been. I mean, watching someone grow into their sobriety is it's gorgeous. It's absolutely wonderful. Um, well, I, I think pleasure. all of that's even harder, Polly. Thank you. But I think that um, understanding our emotions is, is even more difficult than the alcohol. I think for men who've uh, who've been taught from like the year dot that men are tough, men have to be men and you don't show your emotions. 
I think it's it's all bullpucky, isn't it? It's men are allowed to show their emotions, but I, I think it's hard for them because of the way they've been brought up. Women are allowed to cry. Yeah, but even with addiction, we all support. We don't even know how to deal. I don't care if you're man or woman. We don't know how to deal with what's going on inside of us because we use the alcohol uh, to to suppress it. And I'm reading a book right now, Calming the Storm, and it has to do with uh, emotional dysregulating. I I would always thought it would be (laughs) emotional regulating. And I'll, they start the book off with dysregulation. And I'm like, and because Cece said something to me about, I'm like, well, do you want to talk about emotional regulating? And she goes, well, let's start off with emotional dysregulating. And I was like, what? And it comes down to the, the, the fact that we don't know how to um, deal with our emotions. We're just kind of like emotionally bankrupt. You know, and we're, we're taught not to be mindful of our emotions. We're taught to multitask. Isn't that like a badge of honor to multitask? Mm-hmm. Yes. But um, back to the moderating thing in that we couldn't moderate because uh, the emotions, the shame we were feeling, we needed to right. cover it up. So moderation was just not there because the thought of not being able to drink and cover all that up. Now that we're sober, um, we can look back on those fights we had with ourselves because it is a huge mental fight. And anyone who says they can moderate, uh, that wants to try and moderate, good luck to you because the mental gymnastics you're going to play with yourself are exhausting. And when when we decided on doing this subject, one thing I did with the ladies groups was put out um, a request for some of our ladies, if they were willing, for to give their thoughts on moderating. I did put it out across the board, but unfortunately, the fellas didn't pick up on it. So I didn't get any, any men picking up on it. I only got the women because I think the women... I don't know. Maybe we express our emotions much more easily. I don't know. Back to this thing about, you know, guys are tough. Well, I don't, I don't think that we got it out to uh, to enough men, really. No. Um, we did with Shiki last week. We had a wonderful podcast with Shiki last yes. week talking about moderating. And that was good to, to hear. And how he works through his problems was something totally new to me. Um. But then we all work through these things in our own way because we're all individuals. None of us are alike. And we need more shiki. We need more shiki. <laughs> yes, we do. We'll get him back. So I am hoping that this works. So this is a new for me. I am about to share a voice message. The person I'm about to share, they, uh, they are using a pseudonym. So we will, let, we will not introduce them but we will, you will hear who they are from their little share. So let's see if this works. Um, I can do this. Hi, it's Elle Webby. I am 377 days sober, and I did try to moderate often. If I look back, I think I tried to moderate for probably five years before I actually realized that it wasn't working. Moderation to me is 
much safer because it's giving you wiggle room. It's allowing you to make up your own rules and still dibble dabble in something that you know is not good for you and that you really can't control. So it's almost like you're pretending like you can control it. Uh, It did not work for me. It would possibly work for a week or two, but it's a slippery slope. For me, whatever rule I had, I would twist it so that I could extend my drinking time. And it just made things awful. Just the thought of, am I going to drink tonight? Am I not going to drink tonight? Like it was just a constant battle in my mind. What rule do I have to follow now? I can only have two glasses of wine and I can only have those glasses of wine on a Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Oh, well, Monday was really bad, so I'll have a glass of wine there too. And then I'll get rid of it on Thursday. It just, uh, it didn't work for my brain. I, I changed everything as I went along to suit my disease. And so once I understood that moderation it was not a word in my vocabulary, and I said, no, I just can't have any alcohol it was like deep breath is exhaled I didn't even realize for all of those years that I was holding my breath and clinging to a knot and now I just know drinking is not an option there's no battle that was um one of our ladies and she described it well it's a battle. It's a huge battle. And she says that she went five, she tried to moderate for five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Five so, years of mental gymnastics. That's just, and yes, I can probably say that um, mine took place. I had the three years where I didn't drink, but then when I started drinking again, trying to find that momentum to get back to not drinking was tough and um i i would play those mental gymnastics all the time you know and even when i wasn't drinking for those three years it would be well you know you managed to stop once you can have a drink now and then stop again no it couldn't happen and i i i I like what she said about moderation gave her wiggle room right so she was kind of making up her own rules as she went so i mean that's almost like you're lying to yourself so you can keep drinking right isn't that it's crazy that's the deceit of alcohol though isn't it that's the whole deceit of alcohol we deceive ourselves constantly we we do make our own rules up I'm only going to, like she said, I'm only going to drink on Thursday and Friday, but I had a bad day Monday, so I'll have one of my glasses on Monday uh, out of the bottle and then finish the bottle on Thursday. There was no way I could do that. If I had then, the glass on Monday, it didn't sit in the fridge until Thursday. And then it, 
whatever she tried, and she tried this for five years, yes. would only last a week or two. So I wonder how many different plans Webby made in five years. There's 52 weeks in a year, right? Yes, that's a lot. So let's say that's 25 plans a year. (laughs) (laughs) For five years. That's over. For five years. And I would do the same. I mean, my sister in law would come to visit. And to me, it was a great excuse to get a bottle of wine. And she would buy, she didn't like my wine, so she would buy her wine. And she would maybe have two glasses out of her bottle and I'd be finishing my bottle off. And then she'd pass me her bottle and say, well, you may as well finish it because you're going to finish it anyway. So, you know, I would finish off hers because there was no way an open bottle of wine could sit in my fridge. It just didn't happen. Right. So, I mean, visitors come in. Yes, the chance to drink more. Um, without feeling guilty because we're socializing. Well, it, it you know, it sounds like it made a webby. Um, it was a constant battle and she was miserable. And in the end, she could, when she finally made that decision that she couldn't do it anymore, she was like, whew, I can breathe. The relief. The relief. The relief. Um, would you like us to play another one and see how someone else dealt with their moderation? Absolutely. Hi, Polly. It's Virginia. You asked about moderation thoughts. Here are my thoughts. Well, the summary is no, moderation never worked for me. Um, there's a couple different levels of moderation. So I'm just thinking out loud here. There's the moderation that I tried after I reached age 50 in the past few years and I thought to myself well the the health organizations say you can have a women can have like one drink per day for a maximum of seven per week but don't save them all up for the same day something like that so I'm thinking okay seven drinks a week one or two per day skip a few days one or two per day skip a few days I tried that for a long time I had a little piece of paper I jot down the tick marks every time I had a drink and I would try to limit to seven I mean maybe I could limit that for two or three weeks but no not long term and also let's say you buy a 12 pack of beer well it's sitting in the fridge waiting for you (laughs) to have your seven per week it's so easy to just grab another one it's like buying a package of cookies and saying you can have three cookies a week. You'd always be thinking, have I had my cookie? When do I get my cookie? You know, I've got a whole bag of cookies here. So that level of moderation, I tried it, did not work. There's another level of moderation where it's like, uh, can I live the entire year without drinking so much on any day or night? that I fall down or vomit or black out. Well, nope, couldn't do that either. Now that didn't happen all the time. Let's say it only happened twice a year. That's not very much. That means I'm fine, like, you know, 99% of the time. However, when you drink from age 15 to age 55, and that's 40 years, well, that means if you did it twice a year, that's 80 times that I couldn't prevent myself from drinking too much on a certain night 
that I didn't, you know, fall down in front of somebody or vomit or black out. That's ridiculous. So nope, couldn't prevent that either. And I tried that one for 40 years. So even though it was only a small percentage of the year, I didn't want that anymore either. So anyway, have a nice day, Polly. Bye. I love Virginia. She's so friggin' cool on it on the IASF. And what she said, I mean, she worked hard at it. She calculated. I mean, this is a lot of work going into trying to moderate your alcohol. Right. Where you're trying to have one drink a day through a seven-day period. Mm-hmm. And then, but you're only allowed seven a week. But if you're drinking beer, like she said, and you go buy a 12-pack, that means there's still five beers left sitting there. And then you have a day where um, you've one day you've had two drinks and then um, you have to skip a day, man. Like you (laughs) talk about mental gymnastics and Virginia said that she wrote this down and kept track of it. Yes. So that's a lot of work. Just to moderate your drinking. And, uh, you know, I can just imagine Virginia isn't jotting anything down now except marking up the days. Boom. Another day, another day, sobriety, sobriety, sobriety. We've said it before, the absolute relief that comes from just turning all that off is huge because you no longer have to think about all that stuff. I mean... A webby, five years of mental gymnastics, and then all of a sudden you turn all those mental gymnastics off, your body just sort of deflates. You look like, have you ever, there's that Disney, is it? No, it's a Pixar movie with the guy who has the little blow up doll who's got all punctures in him, who starts deflating. Um, yeah. <clears throat> um, you know, you do, your whole body deflates in relief that it no longer has to have this constant battle with itself because you are the only person you are arguing with. You're not arguing with anybody else. So she also uh, thought that she um, could do it 20 times a year, right? Or no, I right. mean, two no, times two a year. Two times a year. Uh, 20 times a year. Two <laughs> times a year to where she was drunk, uh, you know, and falling down, fall down and or black or or end up throwing up and stuff but in the end that's 80 times in the in the years that she did it but how can you even moderate down to two that only happening twice a year you know i mean and like she said keeping track of the beers and you're having a bad day and you're going to have one beer could you drink one beer if you came home with a 12 pack of beer and trying to moderate what would you be doing Tell me how you would deal with that 12 pack if you were trying to moderate. Well, well I tried it is what I drank was um, 25 ounce, uh, 25 ounce Bud Platinum is the strongest beer. Yeah. I would try to only buy two. But so that was one of my moderations. I would try to buy two so that I, I wouldn't drink anymore. But once those were gone, I was either back in my pickup driving down you know, a few blocks or walking to get more beer because I, it would only last for a little while. And if I, I have bought more beer 
okay, I'm going to buy this much and it's going to last me for the whole week. So say I bought a 12 pack of the big bud platinums. I would drink 12 of those in one, one night and yeah. I would be in a blackout. <clears throat> I mean, my, my sister-in-law used to say to me, why don't you get your weekly wine all in one go? I knew myself. There was no way I could buy a week's worth of wine, what would be a week's worth of wine to her and make it last a whole week. I would keep going back and I would probably make a week's worth of wine last three nights max. So then yeah. I will, that's three nights. So what do I do the other four nights? I have to go out and buy more. So I wouldn't buy a week's worth of wine because to me it was too much temptation to keep drinking constantly. I mean, and, I and the work. I mean, uh, Virginia oh. tried this 40 years, 40 years. The mathematics. It just, the mind boggles over the mathematics of it all. And she's rock solid now in yes. her zero, zero moderation. Her mindset is zero. There's no more argument. She doesn't let her her addict boys argue with her a bit. It's like, beat it. I'm not arguing. One of our ladies said, once she shut the voice down, there was no argument. Yeah, that was I must. I must said that. Yeah. She once she shut her up. She shut it down. That was it. There was no argument. There was no argue. You can't argue with yourself if you're not going to participate in your own argument. So you know it's, and this is what this moderation is. It's a constant argument with ourselves. Hey, I got it. Are we stopping this? Are we stopping this train to get a cup of coffee? We can stop this train and grab ourselves a cup of coffee, folks. We will be back in a little while. We're going to pause the train. Actually, being an old lady, I might need a piddle. So hold on. We'll be back in a little (laughs) while. Well, hello, folks. Drifter and I are back. Uh, We've had our little break. Coffee, tea, pee, whatever we needed. Drifter himself is in his truck and has driven across town. So we are going to play um, from one of our other ladies on I Am Sober, Perfectly Imperfect, and her thoughts on moderation. Then Drifter and I will come back and discuss what she says. So give me a second to just prime this up. And here we go. Here's her thoughts. Hey there, sober peeps. This is Carolyn. My name is Perfectly Imperfect on the app, and I'm celebrating right around 155 days, just over a little over five months. Um, I was asked to share a little bit of my thoughts about moderation. Um, That word is sort of a joke to me in any sense of my life. Um, But I've tried moderating. Um, I was sober for a while, nine years, and my addict voice convinced me that I was cured. And I decided to drink again and I was going to moderate. Um, I had some success and some lots of failures. Um, the hardest part about moderating was the obsession that was created when I tried to moderate. So for example, um, since I was trying to be very disciplined, I had plans like I'm going to only drink before I go out, I'm only going to drink when I'm out. I'm only going to drink at home and I'm going to measure how much I drink. So I tried that and I would pour 
five ounces of wine, actually measure it out in a measuring cup and pour it in a glass and um, allowed myself two five ounce glasses of wines. It's, that's actually a pretty big pour. Um, but what would happen is after that, it was just a bummer because I wanted more. So I would effectively ruin my evening because the obsession would start and I would be crabby because I couldn't drink more and just depressed because I couldn't figure out what the hell was wrong with me. Why I couldn't feel happy after those allowing myself those two glasses of wine. Um, and, you know, the more we learn and know about alcohol, as we all have, a lot of us done so much study on it, um, we've learned, I've learned that 20 to 30 minutes after that drink, we start to come down. That dynorphin um, comes into our system to balance out our um, body's effects of the alcohol because we've been upregulated. The dynorphin downregulates us, and then so we have a come down. Um, but actually, the main main reason that moderation doesn't work for me is because it sucks the life out of me because I give so much space to the obsession when I try to moderate that my whole being is taken over with thinking about drinking and that is no way that I want to live. Um, I'd never want to give that much space to something that takes things from me instead of giving things to me. Um, I never want to give that anything that much power again. Um, it took an enormous amount of energy and decision making. Um, when you choose to not drink, as you know, the decision has been made. There's just, that's it. I'm not drinking. If we choose to moderate, a whole sequence of thoughts comes behind that. At least it did for me. So again, like I said before, am I going to drink wine, beer, vodka? When am I going to drink it? How am I going to drink it? Am I going to, you know, put the bottle top on after two five ounce glasses of wine or two two ounce drinks? Um, it just doesn't work for me. And what it is, is insanity if I try to do that. So I am really enjoying sobriety and the gift of not having the obsession of trying to moderate, um, never giving power to something that is that actually took away more than it gave. Um, so I hope those of you that do try to moderate have some secret answer, but I certainly don't. And I'm 57 years old and I've tried a lot to do that over the last eight years. And then I have finally given in. On February 14th was my last drink and the last time I tried to moderate. And you know what? It's hard, but it's so much better. Um, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but have a lovely day. And those are my thoughts on moderation in five minutes. Take care. Bye. Well, that was huge, huh? Very. That was um, big, really big. She completely covers all of how moderation affects you, the obsession, the discipline you need. She covered so much in that five minutes of the devastation of trying to moderate. Look, she was sober 
nine years. Mm -hmm. yeah. That attic voice never left her alone. After nine years, and her and I have a lot in common because I was also sober for nine years. And then I drank. So that attic voice, it's a pathway in our head. It never leaves us alone. It's always going to be there. And then, and like she talks about, her life was consumed with the obsession. I mean, that is so huge. Yeah. And it is an obsession because, and it's like Virginia said, you know, all the mathematics of calculating how many drinks you can have, how many times you can drink. I mean, it's just, and it is an obsession. And the discipline it takes. Moderation Ooh. consumes our lives if yes. we decide to moderate. Because like um, Perfectly Imperfect was talking right there, what am I going to have tonight? Beer, alcohol, you know, vodka, wine, whatever it's going to be. There's so many choices that she mentioned that she had to make when uh, she was moderating. And now that she's decided not to moderate, there's no choices. The absolute relief. And when you started drinking again after nine years, when you first, very first drank after nine years, did you think that you could drink just for that one time and then you'd be okay afterwards? Oh, I, was, I was arrogant. I was arrogant. And I thought I could do whatever the heck that I wanted, Polly. Because you know what? I had nine years and I thought that I, I had slain the beast, that I was in control. And it didn't take long for me to fall into the trap. And to justify everything I was doing as I was doing it, too. The picture plant. Little bit, little bit, little bit. And then you sucked right in. And the last three years was the worst of it. Where I, I did, I really got into uh, moderation and everything that I could think of to try and not drink. And none of it worked. Mind games. <clears throat> Played mind games with ourselves. And it was an obsession, just like she talks about. I would go to work because I would wake up that morning and um, I would be devastated from the day before. And it would consume me all night long while I, I drove into the next day where I was planning, making my plans on how I would just moderate that day. And even I couldn't even moderate for one day. But now, the, the difference between then and now is it, it's an obsessive mind game you play with yourself and you are constantly thinking about alcohol all the time. But the difference between then and now is while we think about alcohol, we don't think about it in the same way because we're not consuming it. Now our thoughts are on recovery. And when we talk about alcohol, we talk about it not as an obsession for us. And it's not, a, and I don't know about you, but... Talking about alcohol is not a trigger for me at all. I don't feel triggered when I talk about alcohol now because I don't want alcohol. I don't know what would may ever make me go back to it at this moment. I'm not saying never because we know that will kick you in the butt before long. But I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty gutsy. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm going to step out on that branch. And I'm, I'm going to say never because I'm not going back. But I know that's like taboo. But uh, for me, 
I've, I've been doing this too many years, Polly, and I'm not going, I'm building a foundation this time and I'm not going back. I think this is the thing. You need to build a strong foundation. You need to do your education. You need to stay connected. You need to listen to other people's voices on this journey and gather as much information as you can because information is power. It's well, knowledge you, is power. It sounds like perfectly imperfect really slayed her attic voice this last time around. Yes. She's not giving it any room in her head at all because it took a lot of, it took all of her space before. And it looks like, you know, she's got that under control now. Yeah. Well, we've got another of our ladies that we're going to listen to. And this lady has about, I would say, 15 months of sobriety. And she has worked extremely hard at her sobriety under difficult circumstances. So here are our Maddie's thoughts on moderation, and we will play this one. Here's Maddie. Hi, my name is Maddie William on IAS. I'm 37 years old and 15 months sober. So my thought on moderation is that it's a slippery slope. Getting sober from alcohol was probably the hardest thing I've ever done. And the thought of moderating would just be like backsliding to me. I would not want to undo all the hard work that I put into this. Uh, I think maintaining your sobriety, like daily pledges or keeping up with the people on IAS is key for me. I had a close call about three weeks ago, like so close it scared me. And I reached out to a trusted friend and I got through it without drinking. I still have thoughts about, you know, moderating. I think we all do, but instead of thinking about it all day, obsessing about it like I used to, uh, I just live in the moment now. And, you know, the thoughts are passing. But staying connected is key because we don't know what could happen tomorrow that might cause us to slip. Instead, we got to have someone to fall on instead of the bottle. It's like a safety net. I've seen with other people, they get some good amount of time under their belt and they slip. And it takes them years for them to stop drinking again and well, I got two kids that I've got to be here for and I don't have years left to waste so yeah uh, so I looked up a little bit on the topic of moderation and it says that once you're an alcoholic you can't go back alcoholic Alcoholism is a progressive disease. When you start thinking you can drink, you have reached the stage of denial all over again. You know, the part that you had at the beginning where you just don't believe you're an alcoholic. So I remember three specific times in my life where my drinking got scary. Uh, it slowly worked its way there each time. The first time was when 
I was early 20s working in a bar. Uh, it got bad. <laughs> I didn't have any children yet and I was just dumb. Driving, just dumb, stupid stuff. Uh, the second time was right before my grandmother died. She raised me and my sister and my sister moved out and I took care of her. And it was just a hard time and I drank a lot then too. And the third time was right before the pandemic. Just had some situations with my family. It was just, it slowly got out of control again. And yeah, I see the cycle here. It's, it's not something that I even want to consider again. So yeah, life is too short to not be in the driver's seat. But anyway, uh, that's it. Sorry it sounds like a script, but it is one. <laughs> All right, bye. Hey. That, that, that was such a heartfelt share. I just, yeah, she's a sweetheart on IES too. I she? felt every word of her share. This girl, I just love to bits. I, she brings tears to my eyes because I am so happy for her to be sober. There are some people that just grab your heart. She's one of those that grabs my heart, and I don't know why. Um, but like she said, you start thinking moderation. You're in denial again. And she is so open and honest about her alcohol and how it gripped her. And she's only a young lady with a lot of life ahead of her. And she is starting to grab her life. And like she said, she's now in the driving seat. And life's too short to not be in the driving seat. And when we let alcohol take over, we are not in the driving seat. Alcohol is. So she's around 15 months sober now. Yes. And she even just said right there, <clears throat> we, oh, she, uh, she thinks she's always going to have thoughts of, can I moderate? And, you know, those are normal thoughts as far as I'm concerned with what I've been reading, because those, there's a pathway that's been built in our brains that is always going to be there and we can't remove. Just like I talked in that one podcast with my son, that um, you can't unlearn how to type. Mm -hmm. We learned how to drink and um, we can't go into our, we don't have a key to our subconscious we can't remove these pathways and she's doing something key that she talks about uh, maintaining, uh, staying over the top of that attic voice, staying connected because mm -hmm. three yes. weeks ago, which means just over 14 months, um, she was attacked with thoughts of, of, of drinking and she fell back to um, her network that she's built to keep sober. And it's good that she, now her first thought when she is under duress is to reach out to her community, her sober community, not to reach for the alcohol. And so, uh, and she doesn't want to go back where she came from. And she's preparing uh, not to go back there 
by working her program. And I, I just think it's great. Well, she's been down that road yes. at, at her age of, thank God that she's getting it now younger. I'm, I'm 58. Uh, you're 28. And <laughs> thank you for the compliment. <laughs> and uh, we didn't learn our lesson earlier, like these other youngsters that I like to call them, how they're learning it now. And I think it's just beautiful. I love it. And I think she just describes it, you know, the thoughts of moderation. She said it. It's a slippery slope. And the same words come up again, obsession, obsession, obsession. The word moderation, the interpretation of moderation in alcohol is obsession. It becomes an obsession. And it, yes, like you say, those thoughts will always be there. They're a learned behavior and any learned behavior is always there until you need it. Well, I don't need it. It's like I gave up smoking and occasionally a cigarette thought will pop into my mind. But it's gone again because I no longer smoke. And it's like if alcohol pops into my mind, it can go away because I no longer drink. And not only that, you've built a fantastic network around you of other sober-minded people. I never thought um, this would happen to me. Um, the, I take such a joy in all these, these people I've got around me who are helping me live the sober life. People say to me, oh, we love it, you give so much. But I don't think they realize how much they feed me. The joy I get from seeing other people succeed at sobriety feeds my sobriety. It helps me stay on the sober path because I'm learning from other people all the time. And I've said it, I am enjoying learning um, different stuff. And um, what was it I said? Yes, I think I said yesterday. I'm not practicing sobriety. I am sobriety. That is who I am. I'm not practicing it. I'm sober. That's my identity now. And that's who I identify with. Some people will say, oh, you shouldn't take it for granted. I am not taking it for granted. I never take one day for granted because you have to, and, and like she said, you have to be in the moment and you have to. And um, I read a post today and it, I will pull it up and it's, it's a young lady who just could not see herself getting past 100 days and she's just hit 101 and one of the things she said and it so resonated with me she said today is all I have got and care for tomorrow comes by itself and yesterday can't be changed and I just thought that was such a wonderful expression we can't change yesterday we can learn from it we can't change it it's already happened we enjoy today and then tomorrow will come in its own time after midnight tonight we're going to share one more of our ladies, someone that Drifter did a, a podcast with, Molly, 10 seconds at a time. And uh, here's Molly's thoughts on moderation. Molly, um, that's a really cool topic for a podcast that you were talking about. And um, I'll just weigh in real quick, too, if since you're looking for opinions and experiences. Um, the, the main thing that I tried to do towards the end <clears throat> to moderate, um, I usually drink white wine and um, I would mix my white wine with sparkling water because I was convinced that, you know, if 
if I was going to drink, I was going to have to hydrate so I wouldn't be hungover. So I would mix the water in and I, I would feel better about it because I'm like, hey, it's, you know, I'm not going to feel like crap the next day. But I always did because then I would just have more. And, you know, I had rules about I wouldn't drink after a certain time of day, but then those went out the window and sometimes I would stay up all night drinking. And um, now I kind of think of it like, like picture a scenario where someone hands you like a button to push right and they're like if you push this 90 percent of the time you'll be fine but 10 percent of the time something's gonna come and like hit you in the face you know a crazy person would keep pushing that button because they know that it's not worth it to get punched in the face so it's like that's how i view moderation it's like you're gonna eventually end up having a bad time. It's just a matter of time. You might just get lucky. So it's better to not push the button at all and not, you know, not give in at all because and then there's the the crazy question of why do you think you need alcohol to enhance your experience anyway? Are you not good enough sober? Do you feel like you're awkward in social situations? Are you going to hang out with people that you're uncomfortable around? And Maybe you're erasing discomfort that should be there for a reason. It's like it hides all the true feelings that you have. So anyway, I hope that makes sense. The, uh, the Annie Grace pitcher plant also fits here too. I don't know if you've heard her talk about that, but you know, no matter um, what you're drinking, you're still drinking from the nectar of a plant that's like closing on you and she it's her bumblebee scenario of the bumblebee landing in the plant and it has no idea that it's going to get eaten <laughs> but it drinks 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 until it's too late and then it's dead so um yeah that's a good one that i i feel really similar to also but anyway cool topic and i hope the podcast goes well thank you for doing this I can relate to what Molly said about um, diluting the wine in the hopes that you wouldn't have a hangover the next day. I diluted my wine with um, sparkling water to make like a spritzer, or I would put my wine over ice to make a nice tall drink, thinking I was drinking less. Because <laughs> as the, the ice melted, I was drinking water in between my wine. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. The illusion. But I still drank the same quantity, like she said. And the pitcher plant she described is the little bumblebee gets in the plant. And the more he drinks, the more he slides down, which is the slippery slope of moderation. You think you can have one. And eventually that little slippery slope takes you further and further down into the pit. What did you think? Yeah, I, I remember you sh shaking your head about uh, hi adding water to your wine, <laughs> yeah. hydrating it. Yes. I mean, isn't that just crazy, the illusion that we get? Yeah, okay, I'm hydrating, so it's, it's good that I'm hydrating. Then she had uh, certain times of the day that she would tell herself that she could drink but then she would go over that too. We, I think we've all lived under that illusion before we actually got to wake up and find out that, yeah, 
it's all smoke and mirrors, isn't it, that we do to ourselves. And I, I totally understand what she's saying because I've done it all myself and I can relate to it. And the worst part about listening to all these wonderful ladies share is I can sit there thinking, oh, yeah, I did that. Hmm. Yes, I did that one as well. <laughs> then they're probably doing the same thing. Everybody's like, oh, I remember that. Yeah, that's it. That's the um, that's that's what we've got. But Molly was great in that she actually shared her story with you on a podcast. So anybody who wants to go back uh, through the yeah, podcast, she's amazing. like we say, it's slippery slope. It's it's like you start slow, but the further down you go, that slope, the faster and faster you get. This you speed yeah. up the further down you go, and it does speed up, and you find yourself exactly right back where you started from. Well, that gets back to the pathway, Polly, because the pathway is built. It's just like going back to typing. Mm-hmm. You may not type for 20 years, but your, your brain has that pathway. And you, and when you go back and put your fingers on the keyboard, you may be kind of clumsy at it, but you're not starting from zero really quick. You're going to be typing away like you used to be. Yeah. I was just thinking when you were saying that when I, um, I hadn't been on the keyboard for a while before I got this new computer, and it took me a few days to get back into it, which just because it's exactly the same thing. It took me a few days to get back into my typing. But once I was back into it, you know, it was uh, like second nature. And I suppose. And how long had it been since you typed? Oh, about properly typed about five years. So, you know, it was. Uh, That's a perfect example of moderation, Polly, because you hadn't typed for five years. You sat down and mm-hmm. it only took you two days to get back into um, typing. typing and the same way with going back to drinking. It's not going to take much time for all that to pull you right back in. No, it's like any learned process. It's always there. It's just a matter of when you dig it out to use it again, you know? Um, and so don't dig it out. Right? No, <laughs> no. It's ba- excuse me. I've buried mine. It's got this big skull and crossbones on it with a big danger sign around <laughs> right. it. Toxic. Don't and- dig here. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I digress. We've got one more we want to listen to. And this one is from our wonderful, wonderful person that you are helping me co-host for uh who is on vacation our karina amazing Um, karina cam and karina can am karina and these are her thoughts and we know this is going to be a good cam and girl from um uk can am uk yeah can am girl uk on uh instagram if you want to follow her travels and as i say this this should be a good one because karina always has something good to say Hello, this is Karina Dottypot coming to you from Cornwall. Um, a little bit cloudy here at the moment, but uh, hopefully it will brighten up a bit later. Just sitting having my cup of tea and want to give you my two pennies worth on moderation. Caffeine, as I drink my tea, seems to be the only thing in my life that I can moderate. Um, I have one, maximum two cups a day, and then I stop. Um, because otherwise it makes me quite ill um, really feeds my anxiety and affects my kidneys and my heart and everything um, so I seem to be able to stop that uh, sugars on the other hand at the moment really struggling with and my body is really hurting and really aching right now so I really need to act on that 
I am on tour, my can am Riker, um, with my wingman Andy, and I bought it two months ago, and I've done two and a half thousand miles. I'm just trying to give you a bit of an idea about me in moderation, really. It's something that's pretty hard for me to do. And when it comes to alcohol, well, it's something that's impossible to do. I have tried so many times over 22 years that I've tried to moderate. And, you know, it's just like, oh, I just have one. And then, of course, that one just turns into two, into the bottle and so on and so on. Um, so much so that I never, e- I even gave up moderating, trying, because it was like I was in for a penny, in for a pound. It was the bottle, the whole bottle of wine was going to go. There wasn't going to be any wine left. And I actually even had that mindset of myself. It's like, I can't just have one. I actually even told myself that I was going to be drinking the whole bottle and I couldn't leave even a drip in the bottle. Um, the only reason ever that a uh, half drunk or part drunk bottle of wine would be left in my fridge would have been because it was my second or third bottle and I drunk myself into comatose condition. Um, yeah, that, that's probably about the only reason. I, I couldn't just have a glass or, or two and leave leave it in the fridge. Um so I think moderation is something we all try. Um, you know, we all had those moments nearly every morning of like, I'm never drinking again, I've got to stop. And then it's like, well, perhaps I'll get a bottle, but I'll just have the one. But it just was something that, well, I just gave up trying to moderate. And that's why, for me, I had to just put the bottle down and work on my sobriety and um, quit for good because moderation is something I cannot do this morning also I'm committing to um, stopping the sugars stopping the food that I should not be eating Um, because again I can't just have a sweet I'd have to have a packet I can't just have a gluten-free biscuit I have to eat the lot Um, I can't eat chocolate like a cube of chocolate I have to eat the bar and I shouldn't even be eating chocolate because I'm lactose intolerant and this morning, everything hurts. Everything really, really hurts. So um, I cannot moderate um, my diet, you know, sugar intake. So I'm going to have to stop as I did alcohol. And this is my recommitment. But this is something I keep resetting on. This is my alcohol pattern here. This is my personality of every morning. Reset, reset, reset. I've done it with alcohol. I'm going to do it with my sugars and the terrible foods that I've been eating today. I'm going to get healthy, people. Enjoy your day. There was a lot there, huh? There was. Um, Isn't it great hearing her voice? I love it. It is, actually. She's, she's great. Um, yes. And she's, she's right. We struggle to moderate everything because it's not a word we can use in most, most of our lives. I mean, I so, some things you can get a control on and it's surprising. Well, she you. says she, she was able, she's able to regulate caffeine and that's yes. the only thing that she's able to regulate. I mean, she has worked her butt off and bless her heart. She will be one year very, very soon. Yes. And she's not just given up alcohol. She's given up cigarettes as well. She's done a twofer, which is tough. Now with the sugars, I'm sure, the illness she has, it must affect her body like, like it does 
with Mrs. Drifter with probably inflammation and stuff. Yes. Um, Cause she said she hurts all over, but even still, so here her mind is, she knows she's uh, it's going to hurt her and she's going to pay for it the next day. And Mrs. Drifter does the same thing with, and she's got rheumatoid arthritis, which causes inflammation and She'll be like, I just need one. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Woo-hoo. Like one Pringle and one Mentos. <laughs> right. There yeah. you go. I, I can't bad. even do it. No, we laugh at other people, but we're as bad as everybody. I mean, and I and think she's you... got 2,000 miles on her friggin' bike already. 2,000 miles is brand new. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like she said, nothing in moderation. And, and her other half is on his on his uh, motorcycle. Yep. So he, he's definitely got an iron ass because he's oh had to put two thousand yes. miles in too, right? <laughs> yes. Look, yeah, poor Andy. <laughs> you got you got to have you got to have an iron ass to to ride like that for two thousand miles. And Karina yeah. said she's got some nice cushions that are made for her for, for her lot. bike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd but, be with her on that one because I've got a bicycle and I ride my bicycle, but it took, I hadn't been on a bicycle for, I don't know how many years. And I wobbled a bit. Here we go. Moderate. I hadn't done it for years. I wobbled a bit, but I soon got the hang of it. Um, it took a little while for my butt to get used to the seat. <laughs> if you really want something like we wanted sobriety, we had to dig deep within ourselves and we had to realize what does not work for us. And moderation is top of the list. Moderation has not worked for any of us that have talked so far. No, we are. I say we are enthusiastic people. We're not. We are people who are all in on everything we do. It's the nature of us. You know, if we do anything, we do it at 110%. It doesn't matter what we do. Here we go. Karina is hurting badly, but she's still on her Can-Am and she's still eating the wrong foods. We all do it. If I eat ice cream, I cannot eat one bowl of ice cream. I look at people and they have this little tiny cup of ice cream. And I think, what's the point? That's not enough ice cream for me. So... I can't eat ice cream. So, um, well, anyway. it, it, it's, and it's just uncontrollable. It's just something that's, it gets out of our, our control. Yes. yes. Just like the Mentos and the Pringles. Look, I finished that whole can of Pringles that morning, by the way. You're, yeah. You know. That wouldn't surprise me. There's something. To, yeah. It's like, it's, but the thing is mindless eating. You ha- it's like a big bowl of popcorn. You can have a big pole of popcorn. You're not hungry, but your hand keeps... You've seen people with these big buckets at the cinema. A movie and popcorn go together. It's like a cup and a saucer and, you know, tea and cookies and things like that. And most people don't realize how much they're eating because your hand is just going in and out of that bucket mindlessly. It's the same with drinking. Once we've got past the first couple of drinks, we drink mindlessly. It's just pour it down. You know, it's mind, when you think about it, it's mindless drinking because it's not doing anything except making us pass out and forget the world. Well, normal people that uh, don't have this problem have no, they have no problem drinking one or two and walking Mm -hmm. away. That's it. Us that are 
have a dependency on it. Our, our button's broke. There's no stop button. No, we don't have an off button. Yeah, not until we're blacked out uh, and passed out. That's it. Well, it's like Karina said, if there was any wine left in the fridge, it was because it was the second or third bottle. It wasn't the first bottle. And it's yeah. like I said, I could not go, if I couldn't go to bed and leave wine in the fridge. I, I never drank it early in the morning, but that's, that doesn't say a lot for me because I still drank it later in the day. You know, and if I had half a glass left over, I'd fallen asleep before I finished it. I would pour it down the sink. I, the, the thought of drinking that first thing in the morning would, you know, <laughs> but it didn't stop me later in the day pouring it down my neck. Okay, we are going to take a quick break after listening to our wonderful Karina and grab ourselves a quick drink and we will be back for part three, folks. So stick around and listen to part three. Hello, folks, we're back for part three. Um, we are going to, we have three recordings left. So to enable us to get this podcast done and out, we're going to play these three recordings. I will introduce each one as we go along. And we will play the three and then uh, Drifter and I will talk about them after. The first one comes from uh, a lady by the name of Jojo. And this is Jojo's thoughts on moderation um, and how she views it. Uh, so here's Jojo. Miss Polly, I tried moderation. I know you're shocked by that. Um, each time I tried it, because I tried it a lot of different times. I mean, I can't even begin to tell you how many times I tried it. Um, that I would make it like four days tops, maybe five. I think a week is about the longest I ever made it. And then everything would just get so overwhelming. And I'd sit down to have one or two drinks. And next thing you know, I'm not paying attention. And, you know, I'm halfway through a bottle of bourbon or I've gone through an entire bottle of wine. I used to try to like ration the alcohol. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't bring much into the house. I'd be like, okay, so I've only got half a bottle of bourbon left. So that'll last me five days or that'll last me six days. And I would try to like, I would measure my pores. I would, you know, anything that I thought would slow me down in some way. I'm not gonna drink before such and such time. I mean, I, I would put all these crazy systems in place to try to just drink in moderation. And I couldn't, I just, no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't. And the only time I've been successful not drinking is now. I mean, I've, I've never, I mean, the longest I've ever made it is 30 days. And so for me to even think moderation would work now is complete insanity. And I know it. But believe it or not, the thought does cross my mind that, oh, yeah, I could have just one. But no, I can't because I, I, I put on IAS one time. If I'm going to have one, I'm going to have six or I'm going to have eight. It's completely the truth, completely. But if you have questions or anything, give me a call because I bet you almost every one of us has tried moderation at some point. Yes, definitely. We've all tried the moderation. And next, we've got one of our good friends, Rags. And this is Rags' thoughts on moderation. 
Moderation. And is it a possibility? Well, I am going to tell you for me, it is not. And me is Tracy. Or as they call me on the app, Regat. Or my nickname, Brags. And um, I just wanted to chime in to tell you my thoughts on it because moderation is the one thing that or the possibility of moderation is the one thing that set me from my almost seven months of sobriety to zero. I said to myself, if I can go seven months on my first try of quitting alcohol, then certainly I can moderate, you know, just drink on a holiday or just drink when my husband wants to. Originally, I wanted to quit for my husband because he thought that it was leading to memory problems for me and I was a lot like my mother and uh, he didn't like that. So I originally quit for him. So when he asked me to moderate because he missed me drinking with him when we go out to restaurants or on holidays, I thought, hmm, well, if he's asking me to, he's the whole reason I was doing this. So why not, you know? And uh, yeah, it lasted about a week. I would say. And the deal was, is that I would only drink when he drank. And well, that's quickly a problem. Not only is that a problem for me because I'm giving the power to somebody else in the same breath, that's the whole reason why quitting drinking for him was never going to work in the long run. Because every time I got mad at him, I was like, oh, I'll show you. I'm going to go to this closet and I'm going to drink my way to whatever I want. So don't tell me I can't drink, you know, and that's the ego coming into play, which I wouldn't consider myself an egotistical person in any way. Um, But my ego, when it gets bruised like that, it takes a licking, but it keeps on ticking. So I wasn't going to stand for that. And um, so my attempts to moderate were funny because it just became an obsession all day long. That's all I thought about. I, because I was only going to drink when he drank, I was like, ooh, we should have Italian food. And then if we have Italian food, then he's going to want to drink a wine because he's Italian. And whenever we drink Italian, or whenever we drink Italian food, whenever we eat Italian food, we drink wine. And we romanticize the idea of that, you know? So I would be pushing Italian food or you know, let's go sit by the pool. I'll get you a drink. You want to smoke a cigar? Because I knew that all of those things came along with wine or alcohol in some way, shape or form. And that just meant that I was going to get my fix. So it became an obsession for me. All day long, I'd be sitting at my desk at work and thinking, okay, it's three o'clock. So by four o'clock, he'll come home. And then I can ask him, you know, uh, how are you feeling today? Or can we have Italian food? And then he'll say yes. And you know, my whole freaking day was planned around whether or not he was going to allow me to drink wine. And it just became an obsession. It became my thought 24-7, how was I going to get wine today? And that's just not a way to live, you know? That is a terrible, terrible feeling to need something like that to get through your day or to hope and pray that something is going to happen that is a poisonous substance and why am I romanticizing this you know and I got so stuck for so long in woe is me I feel so sorry for myself that I'm sitting here in this restaurant and everyone else gets to drink and just not me 
like, oh, poor you. Um, poor me that doesn't get to have, you know, a toast someday at my son's future wedding. Why am I even worried about this shit right now? You know, like it's, it's, it's years and years away. So why am I putting this into the equation? It's silly. And as soon as I said I was going to stop feeling sorry for myself and I was going to start having fun and living life and uh, celebrating my sobriety, that changed the whole thing for me. It was like a click. Forget that this is a death sentence. It's a life sentence. And I mean it. It's a lifestyle choice and it's a good one. And I am so much better off for it. So moderation, it does not work for me. It will never work for me. But you know what does? Sobriety. So we'll play the last one. And this is from Namaste. Um, And these are her thoughts on moderation. I was never good at moderating anything. Faulty shutoff switch here. The big boxes of wine were dangerous for me because you can't see how much you've drank or how much is left in the box. I would rip the boxes apart and squeeze every last drop out of that plastic bladder that's inside. So then I would buy the big bottles of wine, trying to moderate, and drink at least probably half of one of those, and then it started to become almost a full one. So in an attempt to moderate again, I started to buy single bottles of wine and tried to make rules that I would only drink one. But that tactic usually resulted in another trip to the package store when I probably shouldn't be driving at that point. The next tactic was to switch to vodka because that handle of vodka would last me a lot longer and cost me a lot less. As a bonus point, I read somewhere, I think it was in the Skinny Bitch book, that if you're trying to lose weight, the best thing to drink is vodka on the rocks. Obviously, that didn't work out too well either. So I guess the bottom line is moderation never did work for me. So at least I know that and I'm not even going to try. It's just kind of a mind fuck. I've tried it with cigarettes. I've tried it with sweets, food, shopping, internet, sex and alcohol, just about everything. I really don't have a shut off switch, so I have to be vigilant about it. I've learned a lot from the IAS group, my ladies group, podcasts, and all the stories that I read every day and the books. I know the slogan is one day at a time, and I do believe that. But also, I know that I can never touch alcohol again in any shape or form, even a sip. It was the same with cigarettes. Moderation was a joke. That was a long time ago, and I know I can never touch a cigarette again, not even a puff. So I am just going to follow the same rule with alcohol. Wish me luck. Namaste. Okay, we just listened to Jojo, Rags, and Namaste. Jojo and Rags are now in the 110 milestone, and Namaste is in the six-month milestone. So um, they've done really, really well. Yes, yeah. And they've all tried moderating. (laughs) Yes, with no success, surprise, surprise. I've even done oh. the box wine and cut it open and pull the plastic out and get the last drop out. I've done that one before now. So that one sounded, yes, I've been there. I've done that. So, so. Jojo, let's go in order. Jojo, yeah. she tried a lot of different ways to, mm-hmm. yep. to moderate. 
and and it would only last what four to five days four to five to four days max yeah and maybe a a week week. here and there yeah and she tried to ration her Mm -hmm. alcohol she measured pores she said she tried all kinds of crazy different systems and she couldn't moderate no and she said when it got overwhelming, she would have a drink, but then after a couple of drinks, she would lose control of it, which is what yeah, happened. And she to would all forget that she was moderating. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I, ha- I, and I can relate to that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was supposed to be moderating. Shit, I forgot all about that. Woo-hoo. Everything comes down when you've had a couple of drinks. Everything comes, you've got no control over anything. So you don't count your drinks because your mind has just gone somewhere else. Forget moderation when you've had a couple of drinks. That's it. It's it's not even in the ballpark. But she she tried so many different ways. And like she said, the only time she's been sober is now. And she's killing 110 days. And Rags, bless her heart, how she manipulated to be able to have the wine. It was that must have been exhausting. Well, right off the bat, her uh, first goal was, okay, if I can do seven months, then I can moderate. So right off the bat, oh. she set herself up. I remember other people when I started my journey in IAS that had goals of 100 or 200 days or certain goals. And she, her goal was was seven months. And I remember back then, she kind of breezed through that. Mm-hmm. And these other people did too. And then everybody that you saw that met their goal that decided to, to go back and drink. Well, I don't know about everybody, but a lot of these people, when they did open that door back up, they were in that reset cycle. You can't close the door. It ta- it's so hard to close that door once it's been opened up. During that time where they gave themselves that one goal, it's like their attic voice was just fell to the back of, back of the class. <laughs> he was sitting there with his feet up on the desk and his hands behind his head, just waiting. Yeah, go do just, your uh, seven months. Go try it. See how you get on. I'll just sit here patiently waiting. She did that and she came back and the moderation went out the window. Yeah. So then she went to where, okay, well, I will only drink when my husband drinks. Mm -hmm. Right. And Mm -hmm. and so that's when all the manipulation came in. That's that's a lot of hard work. Just to have a glass. She worked her ass off and she was obsessed. (laughs) Yes. She was miserable. She was so sad. It's because of the pressure you put yourself under just trying to moderate. And it because it's a constant battle all the time. And like we say, that word obsession, it's the baseline of moderation becomes an obsession. And it just it ruled, like she said, it ruled her life. Hey, it she totally was creative. Ruled. You gotta give Rags credit though. Yeah. She's really freaking creative. <laughs> she waited, to, you know, oh, I love it. Let me by the pool, let me get you a drink. drink. Oh, Would you like you a cigar? A cigar? <laughs> let me get you a drink. <laughs> you know? And man, and she would sit there and romanticize a drink mm-hmm. all day long. She was yeah. obsessed and she did what she could to get it. Then she even went to the poor me cycle where if she was out and about or whatever, she saw other people drinking and she was miserable. Are they everybody that we've spoken to or has given their thoughts and that everybody was manipulating the situation in order to be able to grab as much as alcohol as they could without going over the top, measuring five ounces, counting your shots. It, it's all manipulation and obsession. It's like a, um, a jigsaw puzzle moving pieces around, isn't but it? You're just then- moving them around. 
Then she did this. She got sick of being miserable. She changed her, her mindset. And she said she went from a death sentence to, to a, a life. life sentence. Yeah. And when we say life, we mean life. We don't mean, you know, a prison sentence. Well, let's look at that statement right there, Polly, because when we were drinking, we would wake up every morning and we would want to die. We would mm-hmm. wake up with yeah. shame, remorse, guilt, the whole nine yards. Me, I, I, I woke up wanting to literally kill myself. Now that I'm sober, I'm not trying to moderate. And I've made that choice that it's abstinence only. I wake up every morning and I want life. I wake up excited. Uh, even when I don't have a, a lot of sleep, I wake up. I'm ready to go in life. Not once have I thought of killing myself this whole freaking time. No. And when you make that choice... You gain control. Says it right there. She literally went from a death sentence to a life sentence. I did a post about light bulb. When when will you have your light bulb moment? When will you turn the light on to the reality of what your life is like? Everybody that <laughs> hasn't been able to moderate is getting a light bulb moment, right? And namaste. Oh, gosh. Yeah, you can really relate with her, huh? Yes, Ripping I mean, that back box open and <laughs> yeah, and squeezing the last little drop out of the bot out of the the little plastic bag that's inside, because you drink you you've got this nice box of wine and you oh let's have another drink let's have another drink it was so easy but you can't see how much you're drinking like she said until you suddenly see this tiny trickle and you think hang on a minute where's my wine, so you rip the box apart and you shake this bladder and you know flatten it all out and squeeze all the wine to the bottom where the tap is <laughs> right. and you drain the dregs of it you know i mean that is such a sad way to live when you think about it it's so so sad and that's yeah. almost as bad as like the crack addict uh looking to the carpet for that piece he dropped oh god's truth it's scary but then she went doesn't. to single bottles thinking another way to to moderation, went to single bottles and then ended up drinking and driving. And I think there is a lot of people will relate to that as well. Um, I could relate to the water in the wine to make it last longer and to hopefully not get a hangover. I could relate to measuring the drinks. I can relate to um, the the bladder inside the box of wine. Did you ever, she switched, sure to, she switched to vodka. No. Did you ever do that? No. No, I didn't. Uh, I did. I, I didn't. And I have to be truthful. That kind of stuff scared me. Um, I had a healthy respect for spirits. I just, they weren't anywhere I wanted to go. My wine was my, my drink of choice. and I stuck with it. I am more than grateful that I didn't turn to spirits. Because I think that morning that I decided I didn't want to live like this, I wonder if I'd have ever got there. You know, that's, yeah. that's uh, there, but for the grace of God. But and like, she tried like, to moderate everything. Yes. The internet, cigarette. Yeah. I mean, nothing for Namaste worked. No, shopping, internet, drinking, cigarettes, sex, all of it. Um, that's the nature of an addictive personality is we go at everything with such, we do it 110%. I mean, look how many hours you've put into these podcasts, wearing yourself out. And I have to admit, I get tired as well. When we do anything, we do it full bore. We don't, and 
you can go through the I Am Sober app and you can read how many miles someone will cycle, how many miles someone will run, etc. And it's all to try and get ahead of the voice, to shut it up, because the more you can make yourself feel good, the, the, the better you can shut that voice down. Well, you know me, I'm not about distraction. I'm about uh, confrontation. Yeah, because you can only distract the voice so long, in my opinion. And then the voice, uh, confronting the voice for me is what shuts it down. I have to say that you're talking about Rags and her seven months, the amount of people we've seen struggling at about six months or so has been huge. Well, that's how this all started (laughs) with uh, that six-month milestone where Laura, with moderation, and everybody that got in on that post, we were like, wow, this is a huge issue that we, sh- we already knew it was, but this yes. is, we have this platform or let's talk about this. I've been down the moderation road before. So this time for me, there was no, I didn't even, it didn't even enter my head because it was just a no, no, right from day one of uh, putting the alcohol down. So there was going to be no moderation for me because I know it's not possible. Up until I got sober, mm-hmm. I tried moderation yes. every way I could. Mm-hmm. But now that I've gotten sober, it's abstinence all the way because I know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, we're not under any illusions um, because we've both been in the pits of hell. And we're under no illusion as to the effects of alcohol, but it's not just the effects of alcohol on us. It's the effects of alcohol on our family and our friends as well because they are the ones that watch us uh, do this to ourselves. They watch us with these um, addictive personalities. And it's got to be heartbreaking for them as well. Yeah, because they see moderation fail. Um, this was uh, a wonderful podcast. I've enjoyed it. Yes, I had a great time. I did as well. And, and, um, I, and thank you to everybody <laughs> that sent in your clips. Oh, uh, we got with your uh, examples. Well, before we wind up this podcast and Drifter, I thank you for stepping in as um, Karina's stand in for this two, two for one podcast. Yeah, I want her can add too. If I stand in here, I want to be able to write her can. <laughs> Good luck with that one. She's got 2,000 miles on it already. <laughs> I know. She's, she's got an iron ass too. And yes. she gave, she gave, I'm, I must arrive. And she's been going around and seeing everybody. It's so wonderful. She's been managing to meet uh, people in person that we only know virtually from our app. But what we'd like to do is thank these people that shared their thoughts and um, their experiences with us. We had Al Webby. Um, we had Virginia. Thank you, ladies. We had Carolyn. Thank you very much. Maddie, bless her. And then we've got... Um, Karina from Cornwall in the middle of her vacation, bless her, came on and gave us her thoughts on her stint of moderation. And Joe, Jojo, uh, Rags, Tracy, and Namaste. We thank you all for your thoughts and for your how your trials went on moderation. And I'm hoping everybody can take a lot of information away from this and realize that moderation does not work well right now we're we're 
a hundred percent agreement that with all of us that it doesn't work. No, it it doesn't. And I just read you a little short thing here. Joy. You have uh, joy is the way. Joy throughout the day. Joy at twilight. Joy in our dreams, waking and sleeping. For so long, we believed that our joy depended on specific outward circumstances, on particular situation being a certain way, or on the presence or behavior of a particular person. While getting what we want and being with those we love can add to our joy, we have learned another kind of joy, a deeper kind of joy, a joy that abides and carries us through. Joy doesn't come from the outside. Although the energies of the universe and universal love can add to our joy and fill our wellspring, joy comes from doing the divine will each moment. Joy comes from living in harmony with ourselves each moment of each day. Joy comes from trusting each moment that the secret, that's the secret of joy. Receive it now, then pass it on with a smile and a kind word to all who come along your path. You have to find everything you need on this journey within yourself there are externals books podcasts etc but everything else comes from deep within your own well yeah um that's the arena is for me that's what i call it yeah um and you called it the arena all the way along from and i think uh it was a brene brown book brene brown yeah way back at the beginning the Um, man in the arena yeah and that's who you are theodore roosevelt Yes. Um, And thank you so much for coming and standing in for Karina on this podcast. People, um, I hope that the thoughts and words of these very brave ladies will resonate with you. They do with me. Um, I can also relate to a lot of what they told us. And I wish you well. And we are pulling into the station and we're going to disembark the train. So I will tell you, no sippy, no slippy. And my friend Drifter will tell you. Pour the poison down the sink. And Karina would say. Uh, I forgot. Not, not another drop, no matter what. You, you, you put me on the spot there. I've... <laughs> I like doing that. Anyway, but this is your yeah. podcast. I want to do that, right? <laughs> yes, you would. You'd take over if I gave you, you know, if I gave you a chance, you'd take over my podcast. But anyway, <laughs> folks, we're about to disembark the train and we hope you enjoy this podcast podcast and i hope we you got a lot of information from it so thank you very much and we'll see you next time riding the sober train into the beautiful life of sobriety thank you bye